everybody, and welcome to our very first Overreaction Monday four-star podcast episode. Um, we're not happy. <laughs> I'm going to preface all of this by saying that uh, normally we like to try and keep the pod PG-13. We all agreed that that is off the table, so if, if you don't like profanity, uh, just be forewarned. Um, going to start off the episode, uh, today is 9-11, so we want to extend our thoughts and prayers to all the victims' families uh, and share our remembrance for all the victims, um, but we're going to get right into it. Uh, we're going to start with the Bears. That was a tough watch. I turned the game off after the third quarter. I couldn't take it anymore, and you guys almost baited me back into it by saying we scored a touchdown and we were only down by 10, and then we lost the handle on it even more. I mean, that was basically everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Our offense looked inept. Our offensive line looked like it was full of D2 college athletes. Play calling was terrible. Coaching was terrible. The team looked defeated coming out of the locker room at halftime after the Packers scored. I mean, it was just rough. I don't know. <laughs> what do you guys want to start off by digging into? Because I feel like we can be on this subject for a while. Can I change my prediction for the Bears record for the season from nine and eight to like two and fifteen? <laughs> can I can I change it at this point? I don't want to. Yeah, nope, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. You can't. You know, I don't want to like say that I was right when I gave uh, Ryan Poles the lowest offseason grade, but you know, I'm just saying so far. <laughs> no, yeah, but you still gave him. I gave him a B plus. Gave him like a B plus. Uh, no. Um. Hey, you know Nate Davis, when you don't practice, buddy. You, you you can well, look garbage. You can, you can, you can look kind of bad. Yeah, that's I think just um, he got a worse grade than Darnell Wright. Yeah, and the dude's and, uh, a, how long has he been in the league? Four years. Four or five. <laughs> Come on, dude. Yeah. No, I mean I don't have him down with nine pressures allowed. I only had him down with seven, so I was being nice. But yeah, it was well, however you you slice it. He was it was he was a brutal watch. Yeah, I, you know, I'm trying to uh, approach it. I mean, obviously, like it was a horrible game to watch, but I'm trying to approach it in terms of just like from the play calling standpoint. Well, defense, I have a whole big bone to pick and I could rant on that and then get mean. But on offense, it's like I don't like Gutsy's play calling. Uh, at the same time, I do kind of get it because then you just watch how bad that offensive line was and you're like, all right, I guess I get why you're just like, man, just throw screens or or that just means he's. He just doesn't trust Justin, which I think he doesn't trust Justin either. I think it kind of shows that what the coaching staff kind of thinks of Justin a bit, that they're really kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know. There's so many things you could say about it. I mean, okay. there's so many things you can address. To, to that point, if if they don't trust Justin at this point, that you had the first overall pick. Right. And you traded it for DJ Moore, a true number one ride, wide receiver, to give to your quarterback. That should send a pretty strong single that, Hey, we think we have something in this quarterback. You know, otherwise you could have taken Bryce young. You could have taken, you know, whoever else, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, I mean, Richardson. I, I don't know if I would have taken Richardson, but I mean, yeah. yeah, but you go out and get DJ Moore, Okay. And then you throw nothing but screen passes. You fields throws four pass attempts past 10 yards. DJ Moore, the guy you traded the first overall pick for only gets two targets all game like that's a bad game but like even when these i was listening to uh, hogan johns do their uh post-game recap on this and they made the point that like 
you know, a bad game from Devonte Adams. It, yeah. Maybe he'll only have four catches, but they'll throw him the ball 10 or 12 times. They try to get the ball in his hands and it, it, it has to be a focal point in this offense. If to see what you have in fields, get the ball to DJ Moore. just have him force feed it to DJ Moore. two targets. It's unacceptable. Which look, Getsy, he deserves a lot of blame for this. And this is something, um, Nick and I were talking about this like during the game. The game plan was the game plan was trash, like and, and the play calling situational play calling time was trash. You know, literally the first play of the game, what do they do? Halfback dive. And it's just like once that happened, it was like, okay, you just know like Getsy learned nothing from last year. This is what this is what pissed me off about Getsy's play calling last year is that they were too reliant on the run game, especially on early downs. And that what that does is it just puts you in so many bad situations when it doesn't work. Now you're in second and third and long situations where it allows the pass rush to kind of tee off on your offensive line and get after Justin Fields where you don't want Justin Fields in those long down passing situations because, you know, again, for as exciting as Justin Fields, you know, running ability is scrambling and the big arm and stuff like that. Look, he's still – and it was evident in this game, he still struggles with his processing at this point. And that was the other thing that I kind of saw early on in this game is that I, I went back and watched the film of this. And I mean, there are multiple times on tape where, you know, to, to, I guess, Getsy's credit, he did scheme open some guys early on in this game. And yeah, Fields, I, I don't know if he's just not trusting what he's seeing or if he's just, you know, if, They've kind of coached too much of it into him to get to his check down and get the ball out of his hands to avoid sacks. But there are guys open within this offense, and he's not, he was not hitting them early on. And I think that kind of, you know, and I, I get it, quarterbacks are going to miss receivers from time to time. Um, and this, every quarterback does that, it is what it is. But the evidence of him being able to do that consistently is just not there. And it just really makes me worry about, you know, his long-term prospects. Well, I, th- I think we got two things at play here. Number one, like you said, they probably tried to coach some of the running out of him this year. It, from what I was seeing, it looked like he was trying to stay in the pocket considerably longer than he was at any point last year. You couple that with the fact that, seemingly despite all the talk you know the draft pick signing Nate Davis it seems like our offensive line looks just the same as it did last year I think uh through through the mid-afternoon slate of games yesterday Justin Fields faced the most quarterback pressures of any quarterback that had played to that point 35 pressures it's just despicable. Crazy. It is absolutely <laughs> despicable. You know, what and he's... so you know, you wonder why he's maybe second guessing himself or you know getting flustered. It's because half the time he dro- more than half the time he drops back, he's got freaking three dudes running you, you in his face. This, you know what this game felt like to me as I was thinking about it? It felt a lot like 2019 against the opener against the Packers, but not just the fact that we got embarrassed. It was. uh it was the we made Mitch play quarterback game. I don't mm. remember what Packers defenders. I think it was Zadarius Smith. I don't remember. But basically, post game, they were like, yeah, we just made Mitch play quarterback. That's what the Packers did. They stuffed the run. They blew up every screen and short pass that Getsy tried to, you know, get out there to get some short completions, some easy yards. And they made Justin play quarterback. And like, you know, like you guys are saying, I don't know if it's 
Justin not adjusting or Getsy just like trying to stick to the short passes and get the ball out quick oh, because yeah. the line sucks, but it's just that's the thing. Yeah, nobody adjusted. They did not adjust yeah. the game plan at all throughout it, the it course was, of that game. It was a get and, it was a bad game plan to start with, too. And it wasn't even uh, set up for right. success. Like they mentioned, like in the post game, that they wanted to go horizontal with a passing game, get the ball out quick. If that's what you want to do, why was Equimania St. Brown inactive? He's your best blocking wide receiver. Why did Mercedes Lewis only get five snaps? He's your best blocking tight end. What you need to get these guys out there. Why? I don't, it, why aren't you, you having designed touches to DJ Moore in space? Exactly. So yards after the catch, right? Like, why are we throwing screens to Chase Claypool, who, for God's sake, I don't want to go on for rent too much on Chase Claypool because rant. I, you guys are what it's know. here for. Go for it. You, okay, I'm just going to say it. Like, the Chase Claypool trade, it was disgusting at the time, but it just gets worse and worse and worse the more evidence that we get. Like the only bright spot he's had as a Chicago Bear is during training camp this year when he had like five good catches, you know, when they're not wearing pads, you're not tackling, and they're just doing seven on seven drills where it's designed for the offense to do better than the defense. Otherwise, this dude is just gonna has just been a complete disaster for the Bears. It's it's clear watching the tape that this guy doesn't care. You know, yeah. he, he he didn't care at all with his blocking assignments. <clears throat> like, seriously, Darnell Mooney, who is like five inches shorter and like 50 pounds lighter than his ass is a much better blocker and much more willing blocker than Claypool has ever been. You know, and it showed in this game where Chase Claypool just got his shit rocked multiple times trying to block. It was just pathetic looking. Um, he has a drop on that, on that screen pass. You go back and watch the tape and there are multiple instances where he's whining and bitching and moaning on the sideline about not getting the ball. Um, and she's like, dude, shut up. Like you're just, I'm just, I'm so tired of the dude. Like it was pretty obvious that if Mike Tomlin and this Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers were the best organization when it comes to evaluating wide receiver talent, if they give up on you, you know, there's something wrong there. And they gave up on Chase Claypool. And that should have been the red flag right there. The bears didn't pick up on it. They didn't pick up on the red flag that Nate Davis apparently is too lazy to get his ass on the football field, on the practice field to practice. And that's been an issue all off season. Like, these are colossal fa- failures in terms of, you know, not only evaluating the football players on the field, but also evaluating the type of like the type of, you know, and for all the people that are saying like the bears value, like culture and character for the guys they bring in, clearly they're not doing enough research on these guys that they're bringing in here because Claypool has been a complete bust when it comes to um, anything, everything. And the, vibe, <laughs> the vibes on Nate Davis, man, are just not good. I I just I'm don't I don't get a good vibe from that signing whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Chase, Chase Claypool is 100 making go. me eat crow and not in a good way because go, go I tried to be oh, I tried to be upbeat about him in the off season and whatnot. You can go back. I don't care. Clip it. Find it. Whatever. I know. I was trying to be optimistic, and all he did week one is prove me flat out wrong. He's from Notre Dame. I'd like some respect to put on uh, these fellows' names. No, I don't. No, yeah, screw like, that. No, I don't like it. It looks bad. Uh, speaking of Notre yeah, Dame, Cole got... Komet can't even uh, box out a cornerback to get a concussion. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Catch. Yeah. I got Why uh, calling isolation rounds for Cole Komet is an old, whole other topic. But Nick, go I got, ahead. I got one point on the character thing, and then this might be a good uh, time to transition to the defense. But, um, you know, the Bear, we, if you remember back to the draft, the Bears, you know, pretty famously passed on Jalen Carter, arguably the best player in the draft for 
supposed character issues. And I know Andrew's still not very happy about that. I understand. It. It. Look, if like I understand it, right? If you have character concerns about a guy, I don't care what the talent level is. If you don't think he's a fit, if you think he's going to cause issues and you have somebody that you may not think is as talented, but you have no doubt about the character or whatever in Darnell, right? Take him. Fine. I support that. But then you still bring in guys like Nate Davis and Chase Claypool who are clear issues. Like, yeah. So I don't, and it just hurts when you see Jalen Carter, uh, what what I think he had more pressures himself today against New England. Yeah, yesterday, yesterday New England. I think he had the highest pass rush win rate of any defensive tackle in the NFL, not, not just among rookies. Oh well, that's fantastic one. to hear. I'm um, I'm so excited yeah. to hear that. I mean, hot take. I mean, he was hot take. The best player in the NFL draft looked like the best player in the NFL draft. What a surprise! But I mean, yeah, I mean, there were a bunch of other teams I passed on Jalen Carter. I don't want to just shit on the Bears. No, for, no, I no. I again, I wasn't. I'm and, not, well, then, yeah, the I'm character not stuff was justified that. on him. It's, yeah. I, I think what Nick's trying to say is it's very hypocritical for the Bears to pass on him and yet continue to keep guys around and bring guys in like Nate Davis and Chase Claypool, who See, clearly but I don't, don't think care. it's an issue of like they were willing, like they felt like these were bad character guys and they were willing to take a risk. Like I think they just didn't do their due diligence on who these people are, on who Claypool and Nate Davis and and some of the other characters they brought in. Like didn't do enough due gil- diligence on you know, what they would bring to the locker room, if that makes sense. Like, clearly there was just... Well, then they need to do that. I I understand that. (laughs) I understand that, but clearly... Jesus Christ. (laughs) Clearly, yeah, clearly something was missing there. Um, Because apparently Chase Claypool was way more interested in doing fashion shows and TikToks than actually playing football, which isn't a surprise. Um, But... Yeah, somebody put together a, like low light reel basically of chase claypool yeah. putting forth zero effort and it, it was yeah it's pitiful it's it's absolutely pitiful yeah um but just kind of get the conversation back on the game as a whole even though you want to avoid it um but yeah you know i just it just felt like honestly just look fields he did i i will say this i did i do think even though he missed some throws that he wasn't like bad in this game he had a higher PFF until, grade than Jordan Love did, actually. Which is another conversation. I despise PFF. I do too. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm just saying. Thing. Here's the thing. What did we find out about Justin Fields yesterday that we didn't already know? Nothing. Really, nothing. So then, this season, the whole purpose of it, wins and losses, almost don't matter. This year, it's we need to find out if Justin Fields is the guy or not. Whether we're picking up his fifth year option, whether or not we're moving on from him, and to do that, you need a game plan to show him what he can do. Have him go through his progressions. Have him struggle. Have him throw the ball down the field, which we know he's good at. Have him throw the ball to DJ Moore. Develop that connection. You bring in that talent for him. And how, design how do you – design, Designed runs, rollouts. I think he only <laughs> didn't rolled see out – like any of those. Yeah. He, yeah. He, I think you uh, – I, I don't I, remember the tweet off the top of my head. I think it was like 40 out of 52 – dropbacks were just straight dropbacks only 12 rollouts you you know what he's good at come on play to his strengths a little bit get him comfortable have him throw in the ball he's never going to be Peyton Manning or Tom Brady back there but it's you need to find out what you have in Justin Fields and yesterday's game plan does not help you at all no it really is shades of 2019 Mitch again when it was Matt Nagy saying this is our system you're going to learn it I don't care what you're good at get good at this you just got to let him sink or swim at a point right and as someone that loves Justin Fields I think he I think he still can be great but you got to let him sink or swim well I think and you have to play to his strengths 
I think it's the opposite because Nagy was more than willing to, you know, let Mitch sink or swim. Like that yeah. that first game in twenty nineteen was a, you know, great instance of that where they threw the ball like 50, 50 times in that game and he let Justin like, sink or swim in his first game against Justin. the Browns. <laughs> and you know what, Justin actually, you know, as a passer, he actually showed improvement throughout the year with you know that sink. I'm not saying Nagy was a great good coach no. or anything. I'm not saying like we should be like no he didn't too no he went. Too I'm not far. giving Nagy any credit, but I'm just saying like he he was right in the sense that like. He knew that, like, to, for Justin to develop, you had to, like, eventually start to throw the ball with him a little bit more and, and actually, you know, let him let him play a little let bit. Let him cook. And exactly. my, my thing was, like, I think with Getz, and again, it's, Nagy did a, a lot of things wrong with, with development, Justin Fields. But the thing with, with Getzy that just that pissed me off as the game was going on was that um, just the conservativeness, the it just felt like when, when things started going wrong, he, you know, got in like a shell or whatever. He, he like, mm-hmm. he wasn't willing, like he was afraid of Justin Fields making mistakes or his offense making mistakes or his offensive line making mistakes. You know, it was just, he was coaching scared. And that's like the biggest, that's the biggest red flag for me when it comes to guessing. This is like not the first time he's done this. It's, it seems like, like I couldn't tell you how many times last year where Justin Fields would have like a big completion down the field to get yeah. into the red zone and they would call three state run plays. Right. And it's just like, at some point, like you got to open up the offense a little bit. And Justin Fields fails because, because of the issues we talked about where he's missing receivers, he's not seeing guys, he's not throwing the ball accurately. He's holding on to the ball too, too long. Like, okay, now we got our answer that Justin Fields is, isn't the guy and we can move forward here and maybe make some adjustments off of that. Um, but if you're just not even going to give him the opportunity, then like, what's the point of putting him out there? If you if you don't if you don't feel like he's the guy, like, what is all what this? Was this for? What's the yeah, yeah? What was the whole point of it's, all this? Right? You know, it's funny. I mean, this is a really bad analogy. Sorry, I haven't talked to him a while, so I'm just going to start talking. But like, like literally, like, uh, almost like the, I'm not. Uh, this again, it's going to be kind of nerdy. I did flag football. I told Nick all about it last year. I was doing flag football, but seriously, we brought in one game. We were losing, and we made the adjustment. We're like that. We told our starting quarterback who had a cannon, but he was he had cinder block for feet. We're like, dude, like we're benching you. Like literally, we're just all the same age. We're like, we're benching you, and we put in this mobile quarterback, and like he is not nearly as accurate. But we just we stopped playing scared, and like immediately the offense came to life, despite the fact that it was like. In- like that's what I. So just what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, like. I see the stuff on Twitter that I agree with. They're just like, dude, just let Justin air it out. If he throws three picks a game, like, uh, like obviously you still want to know why. You still want to know, hey, why are you seeing what? Like, why are we throwing picks? But like, why can't like just just let him throw, man? Why are we doing the screens? Why are we doing? Because we I don't just know. we turn into and, a one-dimensional yeah. football team, right? It's, and we're one-dimensional, and the run got, game sucks. <laughs> and everything. And the sucks. The, the run game got this, you got this absurd. Sorry, Jordan. Go ahead. I, I just said the run game was no. dog shit until Roshan came in. You've got he was the only running back that was actually able to do anything. And with your quarterback, you have this you have this like unicorn of an athlete. He's huge. He's fat. He's like one of the fastest players in the league. He's got a cannon for an arm, and you're just having him throw screens and checkdowns. What are we doing? Yeah. What are and we it, doing? And, and, and here's the thing: like it took like Gutsy super long to get like Justin Fields involved in the quarterback run game last year. And it just yeah, felt it like, like he went five. Yeah, he went back on everything that they developed yeah. in that offense last year to kind of get the most out of the skills. And I get it, you don't want to lean on that too much because then you risk, you know, the injury aspect of things and, and all that stuff. 
Um, you don't want him taking too many hits. But at the same time, you got to lead into that a little bit more than what they did today. All, most of his runs came off of scrambles. And, I mean, for the love of God, don't be calling your quarterback runs when you're down by, like, three touchdowns. Like, that, that quarterback draw he called late in the game, just pitiful. What's the point at that point? Like, you've already wasted your opportunity to get him involved in the run game at that point. But the problem with the screen calls is that they're entirely predictable. You can tell that the Green Bay Packers they were, were on it. They were on it the entire time. Like, look, Getsy, like, He's, he's been part of that Green Bay organization for like the last decade or so. So the Packers know him inside and out, what his tendencies are, what he likes to do. Like you almost couldn't consider me that. He, he might just be like a secret agent of the Packers at this point to sabotage there was, the Bears. There was but. one screen pass where I like the entire Packers defensive line, they got through and then like they all turned around before Justin Fields even threw the ball and they were all like surrounding the guy the running back. I don't remember yeah. who it was that was getting the ball. It's like, they, they all clearly knew they knew it before. Justin even went to throw. It's like, Oh, this is a screen here. We're right. going to surround the guy. So either they're calling it beforehand or they're not coaching these guys up to, enough to like sell these fakes on the screens to be able to, you know, and get the defensive line to commit and whatnot. So, and yeah, like when you run it so many times, like eventually the defense is just going to be like, okay, well we know we're calling screen screen here. So we're just going to play the screen. Um, yeah, so I mean, just rough. And then when they did, I think, I think I said in our group chat, you might as well have taken the two safeties and just thrown them in the box because right. they knew we weren't going to be pushing the ball downfield. Which sucks because, like, you had Darnell Mooney, you got DJ Moore, two guys that are really good separators down the field, typically. Like, you want to take advantage of that skill set. And part of that might be that Luke Getzey just didn't trust the offensive line as well. Like, um, you know, going back and, and tracking things, like, Nate Davis was abysmal in this game for the most part. Darnell Wright, um, I feel actually bad for Darnell Wright because I actually thought he was pretty solid on every on most plays except when he had to go up against Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary just absolutely destroyed him every single I mean, time. you expect Which that, is what though. you expect, right? It's it's a rookie. He's going to take his lumps, and he, yeah. he took his lumps in this game. Someone um, compiled his theory. reps on Twitter. I, I thought for a rookie, I thought he'd look – at least his pass protection looked good. I don't know about his run – Run protection. His run blocking was better than I expected, which okay. is kind of like the opposite thing That's of good. him coming out was that he was a bad run blocker in college. Okay. But yeah, All I right. thought it looked fine. Um, cool. you know, it was one of those things where he, he flashed, he took his lumps. It's what a rookie tackle is like. Mm-hmm. Braxton Jones, I know he had some really bad penalties in this game. I actually thought his pass pro was pretty dang solid. Like I, I did his tracking. He had the highest pass block win rate on the team. He only gave up one pressure, so He's like the lone bright spot on the offensive line overall. But Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick in the middle, like very underwhelming at best. And we combine that with Nate Davis just being a turnstile at right guard and and right having a tough matchup at right tackle. Like it's just and and first I swear to God, like the Bears have not been able to pick up a stunt like in like a decade, it seems like. Like every single time the Packers ran a stunt, like there were guys getting through. I don't understand it. Like what do they work on in practice where they can't handle stunts? This is like an organizational failure. They've had like multiple offensive line coaches that can't teach these guys how to pick up a freaking stunt. It pisses me off watching it. Like teams just know like they don't have to actually rush four guys to do any blitzes. Just run a basic stunt and you got three guys in the backfield. It's incredible. 
right, well, we've been we've been harping on the offense <laughs> for a while. Ty's been chopping at the bit to talk some defense. Not, here. not well, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say chopping <laughs> yeah. at the bit. I don't think any of us wanted to talk yeah. about any of this today. But but but, but I, he hasn't talked a whole lot about the yeah. offense. We're just gonna let him go. Yeah, yeah. I I and then I remember why I brought the flag football thing. I totally said not what I want to say, but I'm too deep, deep now in the hole. <laughs> I, I said it for a different point. I forgot the point. It, it sounded like a good point. And I, and I panicked and then I forgot what I was saying, but I'm too deep in the hole now. Anyways, defense. Um, my dad called me when he's on his way home from work. My dad lives in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So you can imagine what this man has to go through at work every single day. Now he, he was asking me like how we were looking and I was like, dad, stop asking. But <laughs> I will say, as I was explaining to him, I've never seen a team like, Alan Williams, man, you can blitz. It's okay. <laughs> like I like my this might be like a bit too simple of a of a of a mindset, but I've always kind of had the mindset of if you're a bad defense, you just gotta blitz. Like, like you just gotta <laughs> like you gotta you gotta do more. Like obviously you don't do every single play because then you're just gonna get cr- killed like easily. But you gotta you gotta you gotta get a pressure right. Jordan Love before he threw that screen pass where like. Uh, he and a couple others went to the left and like three linemen and Aaron Jones just stood there with no bear in sight, by the way, uh, before he threw a screen pass that went for like 50 yards, he was only at like 86 yards passing in the half. Yeah. He had the touchdown, but he had all day on that touchdown pass. I mean, like we made him look like a world beater because all the stupid soft cover two. it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Like it's not 2005 anymore. You don't have four down linemen that can rush. The corners don't even look like they know what they're doing. Anyways, like the DBs don't even look like they they know what they're doing when they're in this cover two. Like, I don't know why you keep cover, calling Tampa two like it's 2005. Get some match, get some match like assignments. Start learning some like Sabanese or Belichick defenses. Like the stuff's on tape. People like defenses are running it. It's successful. Start blitzing. Look at what Flores or Spagnol or whatever his name is does. Like, start blitzing because your defense isn't that talented. I just don't know how you can keep calling cover two and not. <laughs> and well, then you have Matt Lafleur, who who is way too smart of an OC to just be like, literally, Matt Lafleur could tell tell Jordan Love throw it to this guy because he'll be open because he'd be right because like I just don't know. No, no, no deception from the Bears. You, occasionally, you'd have a couple linebackers sneak up to the line, and then they just drop back in coverage. Uh, no pressure. The run fit was awful. God, like, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm amazed that Alifler even called the pass play because I would have just run it down the Bears' throats just to end the game quicker to like end yeah, our misery. Well. Yeah. yeah, because I don't know. Oh my goodness. I mean, like, I know we improved at linebacker, but you can't. You can't do it, like it yeah, like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like it, and also like linebackers can't do much. First of all, when the line, when the D line isn't helping them, but also yeah, then like T.J. Edwards getting burned by Aaron Jones on a third and whatever slant for a touchdown. I mean, just they were terrible on third down. Terrible like, on third like, down. Third and long. It was like it was third, like yeah, yeah. Third and long, no pass rush, and then we're just playing soft cover two. It's outdated. Everybody knows how to attack it, and the Bears clearly, like honestly, like I don't think the personnel even knows what they're supposed to do when they're in cover two. Like I just, I, so, I, I don't, I can't believe it. To kind of, to kind of play off of that a little bit, I saw a tweet that was saying you have two cornerbacks who are they're big corners. They're very big physical corners. Yep. And yet you have them playing off of their wide receivers. They're going to get burned every time. These guys are not speedy corners to keep up with people running post routes and shit. These guys are jammy at the line of scrimmage. 
slow down the play, give the defensive line a little bit more time, make these guys work to get their routes, and yet you're having them play five or seven yards off the guy. Of course you're going to get burned. You're not – no – the coaching in this game was horrid. Nobody game planned for anybody on our team's strengths yeah. at all. And Andrew and I, we were watching the game together, and we going off of something Ty said. Like we we had some hope because it started off. Aaron Jones was killing us, and then at a certain point, Matt Lafleur was just making Jordan Love pass. I was just like, why is he? Why is he making Jordan Love pass? Did he forget that he has Aaron Jones? This is great. And then he came out in the second half, and then Aaron Jones just got like forty seven <laughs> yards a carry. It was like just something ridiculous. That stupid um, screen pass. The stupid, stu- the stupid screen pass. The the, the, Everything the, about that was just so like out getting out coached and out class and like I don't know out efforted and out efforted but like also just like like I don't so here's the thing like one why are you not making adjustments is it because you really just don't trust it or two do you not even know what the adjustments are and I get it hey man football is a hard yeah football is a hard sport it's it's a game within the game as they say um you're not always gonna make the right choices but like. Just try something. Just even if you don't know, yeah, like even if you don't know what the adjustment is to be made, just try. Like I don't know, change up a look Here's once. A, Load it, up a, against the run and make Jordan Love play quarterback. That's what you have to do. Even let him beat you. Don't let Aaron Jones beat you. Let Jordan and, Love beat you. Let Jordan Love try to beat you. Right, and, and this is the game to do that, right? Because you know Jordan Love, his second start, he's down Christian Watson. Romeo Dubs went down at some point during this game. I forgot like how early it was, but he was down wide receiver. Right? Top wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Christian Watson wasn't the, even playing. The strength is get of your team of your defense is your secondary theoretically. Right. So, and you know, your, your pass rush is just dog crap, which they knew going into the season. Like why not be a little bit more aggressive? And I get it. Matt Eberflus like doesn't want to play that way on defense. And Alan Williams seems to not want to play that way in defense. But at some point, like you guys have been saying, like you got well, to the way they're playing is not try working. something. Right. And also like I, another note on the linebackers, just say, I'm just saying, I, I know they spent a lot of, a lot of resources in that linebacker room this off season. The Packers were up, were picking on those guys all day. Like TJ Edwards was way too slow. Oh, yeah. We saw that on the Aaron, t- on the Aaron Jones touchdown. Like Edwards is way too slow to be able to cover a back like Jones in the backfield. Tremaine yeah, Evans' eyes, yeah, his, his eyes were all over the place in this game. He was not doing a good job of covering covering guys in zone coverage. Um, like they were just picking on him all game long in the middle of the field. Like it was not a good look for those guys, I don't think. And that sucks because that was supposed to be like the whole offseason narrative was that. Man, Eberflus is a linebackers guy. He's got a lot. He's linebackers now, and it turns out that, like all the analytics people say, linebackers don't really mean anything if you don't have a pass rush. (laughs) Like the linebacker position is kind of like the running back position of the defense, right? Like you want to make sure you have good corners. You want to make sure you have a good pass rush. You don't really need to invest that much at linebacker, and the Bears are kind of showing why. Like literally, like uh. I mean, just the entire game was watching it. It's just like the reason why we were so great when we went to the Super Bowl against the Colts is because we had guys like Alex Brown and uh, Ezra Ladonche and just that, that whole D line could just generate rush instantly. And it just makes it so much easier on your team. And when that doesn't work, you got to add pressure otherwise. Even, even past Bears teams, like Fangio yeah. didn't blitz a lot. Pagano, I don't think ever blitzed, but that's because he had Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks. Right, and yeah. And then, on the Fangio would mix in a blitz once in a while situation. Yeah. Like Fangio was very adaptable. Um, yeah, but he didn't like I mean, to blitz a whole lot. He didn't like I, to blitz and I know a whole Fangio. Lot, but he, knew, he knew when yeah. to blitz, though. That's right. the thing. 
And I don't right. get the sense of these coaches that, that they know when to push the right buttons. And I get it. There's a talent issue here because the offensive line for the Packers is just on a whole different tier than the Bears defensive line, and that showed. But at the same time, like, are they, they're not doing anything creatively with their stunt packages to get pressure. They're not bringing any creative blitzes, like we said. They're not putting these guys in interesting positions to, you know, get any advantage there. And they're just this scheme in general is just not very creative. It's one of those schemes where you do need to have overwhelming talent to make it work, I think, because it's that simple, right? And unfortunately, you don't have the talent. Like, if you don't have a Brian Urlacher being able to cover literally 50 yards of grass on the same play every single play, like, it's not going to work, right? And that's kind of the things that, yeah, you don't have the pass rush, obviously. It's not going to work. So it just, I don't know. I, I, I felt like when they made the higher fever flu that this could probably going to be happen because the Bears, they wanted that loving nostalgia and Eberflus gave them that loving nostalgia. But we've advanced in the NFL beyond the cover two, Tampa two style of defense. You got to bring something different here. And unfortunately, like, it's this is a bad look. And for a defensive minded head coach, like, your defense has to be better than this. How many points do you think the Packers would have scored if instead of uh, if Love Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs, it was. Uh, that's the most frustrating thing from this game is like, I don't even think Love. Well, I, I, mean, I was going to say like over 60 at least. Yeah, 60 yeah. At least. I don't even think like love was that. No, he didn't even play good that good. Or he's, I, I thought he looked mid at best. Like, honestly, I don't even know if he outplayed Justin Fields all that yeah. much, even though Justin Fields wasn't all that good. We're going to sound um, like salty bears fans saying that, but I, in like the stat line, I think his stat line looks a lot games, better than it does. Man. Cause he's, he's got the out. three touchdowns, 200 yards, but he didn't look that great. He missed a lot of wide open he, guys. Yeah. You know, it was like, he it wasn't like he came out and like lit us up. It was, and that made it all the more frustrating. He didn't play great, and you know, they still killed us like they always do. No, on, on me, paper, this a, should have been an easy win. Yeah, and, at least well, a competitive game. Yeah, not at an easy win. I don't know game. what you're talking about. <laughs> no, never, score game. To me, it was just it, it showed that Matt Lafleur is just he's really good at his job, man. He, he knew is. what buttons to push. He he. The fact, that, the fact that he could put up 31 points when a bunch of offenses were struggling across the league with Jordan Love, you know, out there throwing ducks most of the game. I mean, it kind of shows you, like... Something about these Shanahan coaches, man. These Shanahan coaches, <laughs> man. They just, they just get it. Like, when you look and at Michael Downs in Miami and... Yeah, we've had, what, three, four opportunities now to grab a Shanahan coach in the last 10 years, and we've taken zero of them? Well, Jordan... When when Mark Tressman is available and you got he's a quarterback guru who knows the screens in Canadian football, you gotta take you gotta take that opportunity. Clearly, Tressman, Fox, Nagy, Flus. I mean, what what are we doing? I uh, literally shaking my computer right now. It's just so goddamn frustrating. We deserve this. I think we deserve this. I don't know, like, what, what did we, we ever do? As, we weren't even players. alive. We, we I will say, I think I think, Cal, I think Cal has sold his soul, and uh, and this is this is us for paying what? Up for this. to get the I, most Hall of Famers. That's the I, only argument we ever had. And all those championships in the forties and thirties. Come on now. <laughs> I will yeah, say the Bears, one Super Bowl win. A huge section of Bears Twitter has been like obnoxious all off season. So honestly, I will say it's kind of a like karma for those those chumps on on Twitter who've been talking trash for no reason, even though they have no no reason to back it up. So it's kind of common for those folks on Twitter, and I and I hope they, I hope they shut shut up now because I, I'm so tired. Going to. 
They're not going to, but I hope they shut up for once because every single offseason is the same thing. They, they talk so much smack to every single other fan base. Then the Bears get their shit kicked in, and then they just they have no response for it, and they just keep on talking. But whatever. I'm going to continue but, talking like, smack to other fan bases. I'm just we, should, we, should probably, <laughs> we should probably get moving on. We've been talking about the freaking Bears game for 35 minutes. Right. Um, well, we got the Buccaneers next week, and I'm scared about that one because Baker Mayfield actually looked pretty – well, he did not. <laughs> That's another time. Like, like the Vikings are just bad. He beat the Vikings. All right, it's just well, the games in Tampa. It's gonna be hot. It's gonna be games get weird when they're in Tampa early mid September. Um, yeah, I think we're gonna lose. I I don't have Smell anything it. about it. My prediction it's, is uh, ninety nine to zero Bears. Yeah. Okay, Chris Farley. So uh, move on to the Cubs here, um, who also a Packers a, fan, by the way, <laughs> like Chris Farley. Like I know you're you're referencing, but you know Farley himself was a massive Packers fan, right? Yeah, but okay, just doing it for the bit. Anyway, Cubs uh, also had a rough stretch uh, home stand against the Diamondbacks, and we only won one out of four games. Um, yeah. Pitching was good. I mean. Pitching was actually really good. The bats just went quiet. I can't really fault him for that against Zach Allen, who is for sure an NL Cy Young finalist. He's and, not uh, then. Uh, Merrill uh, Kelly was the other one. They pitched really well. Too. A team. It was the first series the Cubs have lost in like a month. So like right. it, it's, it's going to happen the the world. eventually. Uh, we're, we got a three-game set in Colorado against the Rockies right now. I'm not sure how that's going. I don't know if anybody wants I was to at that, the game on Saturday. There were so many, and the wind was blowing just straight in at Wrigley, and there were so many balls just off the bat. They're like, another day that's gone. The Cubs had like three or four of them, and it was just so frustrating every time because you just knew it wasn't. Jan Gomes, the double, the single that he tried to stretch into a double. It took just that perfect bounce off the wall that never happens at Wrigley. Oh, God. It was just it, just a frustrating series, but, you know. I'll fully admit I didn't get to watch any of them. Thank you, Belly Sports Network, for going under in Arizona. Got blacked out on my MLB subscription. Yeah. So that was fun. That's fun. Uh, we, should talk, we should talk about the one good thing that's happened, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> fucking bears got me so pissed. At off. first, I thought at first I thought you meant like Justin Steele, and I was like, we're already doing that on the four star blog. Dude. Right like, everybody can't. knows Steele's Steele's real solid, but yes. So, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, the move that I called three or four episodes ago is finally happening. PC take your, is going to take be up your with victory lap. I, I don't get many. Okay, just give me this one. <laughs> Get up and take some laps. I want to see. I want to see cheering. <laughs> uh, PCA got called up. Uh, Kevin or not? Is it no? Canario. Canario. Wow. I'm really messed up right now. Uh, Alexander Canario got sent back down. Um, Edward Elzelay got placed on the 15 day DL with a forearm IL. strain and might IL. God bless America. Twice today, uh, Twice. <laughs> Dude. You have the outline in front of you. It's written IL on the outline. I'm not looking at it. It's also been it. my IL for like what? How long now at this years, point? Probably. It's, it's been know. since 2020, so it's three years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh okay. I can remember it's been three years, but I can't uh, so I thought it was like World Series we were calling it IL. Oh, really? I don't know. Maybe it was before. I don't know. Nah, it's probably not Anyway, Elzelay got put on the injured list, and Fulmer got called back to the team, so... <laughs> Hopefully PCA will actually get some playing time because uh, 
Um, Canario got one at bat. Yeah, I forgot his name. Canario <laughs> only got oh, one at bat the whole time he was with the club. So, um, really hoping Friday would be a really good day for PCA to get a start. It would be a good day. It would definitely Nick be a good day. Nick's coming to town to visit me, and we're going to at least the Friday game, maybe the Sunday game, Cubs and D-backs. I might go to the Saturday game. I don't know. We'll see. I have to work. If you do, <laughs> I won't be very happy. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, the funny thing is, even with the series loss against the Diamondbacks, my prediction is still accurate because they wound up sweeping the Giants, and I said they'd only win two. So we're still – you're still on track. I on pace for your your ninety nine wins. So we'll see what winds up happening in Colorado here. Yeah, I don't got much else. It, the Bears just took so much. Honestly, out of me. I, yeah, I kind of yeah. spaced out and just started looking at the Rogers memes. For those who don't know, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> oh, yeah. got knocked out of the yep. Buffalo Jets <clears throat> game, and uh, which uh, uh, the memes are just so good. <laughs> and, and, and the best part, the best part, if. If he's out for the season, he had to play in 70% of games for the Packers to receive a first-round pick from the Jets. So if he's injured for a majority of the season, the Packers don't get the first-round pick for the trade, which would just be perfect. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and if he was in this game, they would be winning because Josh Allen has thrown three picks today. Yeah, so, he is not like, yeah. So covered Bears, covered Cubs. Do we yeah, have anything we, else we, we want can, to talk about the Cubs? No, I'll just do the schedule preview. Like I said, they're in Colorado for a three-game series right now, and then they come to Arizona and uh, play the Diamondbacks for three games. So should be some good matchups. I really think uh, we should be the Rockies are one of the only NL teams that's already officially eliminated from the playoffs. They're literally the worst team. So we should beat the snot out of them. Diamondbacks series might be a little interesting. Poor Chris Bryant, yeah. Well, should we move on to our 180s and let's try to lighten it up a yeah, little bit? Yeah, Andrew, and we'll Andrew go, go for it. And then we'll all go to bed nice and cozy. <laughs> now I'm going to be up for a while. I'm two hours behind you guys. I don't work tomorrow. <laughs> all right. Well, for my 180, you know, with all the negativity for the Bears, I thought we'd uh, end on a positive note for the Bears. And I go over my, uh, with the Bears season starting, I go over my top five greatest Bears team uh, since the. AFL NFL merger in 1970 is basically in the Super Bowl era. Um, So I guess you can guys can guess which teams are going to be on here. It'll just depend on the order. But uh, number five, 2018 Bears. This was a very fun season. Jordan, you're giving me that face. The Bears haven't had a lot of good teams in the Super Bowl era. I'm just really haven't. Like 2018 Bears, they had uh, the best defense in the league that year. The offense was actually pretty solid, even though Mitch was Mitch. Um, you know, that was, that was just a fun year. I know it ended on a really rough note, but, I mean, that's the most fun I've had as a Bears fan in the last, I don't know, decade, decade and a half almost. Like, um, yeah, they're just a really fun team. Um, and it's, it's just too bad Double Doink is kind of the legacy of that team because they had, like, peak Khalil Mack doing Khalil Mack things. Eddie Jackson – um, getting a touchdown every other game, it seemed like. Um, Akeem Hicks in the middle of that defense. Um, you know, Kyle Fuller had a great year. And then offensively, you know, you got Allen Robbins and all that stuff. Anyway, 2018 Bears, number five for me. Number four uh, right here, I have the 2010 Bears. 
Uh, Jay Cutler led Bears team, made it to the NFC Championship. We all know this game because Jay Cutler got hurt in the NFC Championship. They lost to Green Bay, unfortunately. Great defensive team. Got Julius Peppers that year that really added a boost to that defense, to that declining old um, core um, that they had there in the 2000s with Brian Urlacher. Devin Hester had a bounce back year. Another fun team that made a, a pretty nice playoff run there. Uh, the number three team, the 1986 Bears. Uh, people don't really give a lot of attention to this team because they come after 85, but uh, they had a dominant defense. Number, once again, the best defense in the NFL that season. I think they actually broke the record for most sacks in the season um, during this year. Um, just ridiculous. The, the lasting legacy of this team is that Doug Flutie got his start in the NFL with this team. Uh, he took over for an injured Jim McMahon um, in the playoffs, and they lost to the Washington uh, Redacted. In the, uh, in the <laughs> can I um, can I jump in? McMahon was only hurt because of the dirtiest right. freaking hit in the world. Yep. From I, I don't remember the dude's name, but it's just like he was a Packer. Yeah, it was a Packer. Yeah, screw and the. That's Packers. why we hate. That's why we hate. That's them. why we hate them. Um, anyway, going on to number two, I have uh, the 2006 Bears. They made it to the Super Bowl, lost it to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Sexy Rexy was the quarterback for this team. You know, he had a, a very he had a game very controversial, like very inconsistent year to say the least. Um, there was, this is the classic good, bad, good Rex, bad Rex type of year where he had some really good performances. Um, we also had some just abysmal performances like in the Super Bowl. but I mean, the legacy of this team, great defense, obviously Devin Hester though, historic season as a return man. Um, this is, this is this season in 2007. That's what made, makes him a hall of fame caliber player. Uh, these two seasons right here. So, um, another fun team. Really, a lot of nostalgia for this team. Obviously, been like the first great team that I ever watched as a kid growing up. But we all know who number one is. Nineteen eighty five Bears. I mean, maybe the greatest defense ever. Um, you know, they, they they put the absolute one of the most dominant playoff runs in NFL history for a defense. You know, they had two shutouts in the NFC playoffs. Dominated the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, just. Great team. There's a reason why a lot of people think this is one of the greatest teams, if not the greatest team ever. It's because of that defense. Walter Payton, sweetness. Uh, Jim McMahon, uh, his best season as a Bear. Just great all-time team. I'm glad that the 85 Bears made it on your list. I was getting worried. (laughs) (laughs) There was no other place to put them. I thought there was a team in the 90s that was good. Then we have like yeah, then we have like a weird like one off where we it was like, like the ninety four bears where you had Eric Kramer yeah, go off. Like, they were our first round and out, and I don't think their defense is all that good anyway. So I, I was considering it, but I don't know. I felt like I felt like they were better teams, obviously. Yeah, Andrew was yeah. watching watching that live when it happened. Absolutely in ninety four. Yeah. I was doing yeah. my research. Yep. Yeah, I think you know, I think that's a good list. I think eighty six. You know, I mean, obviously McMahon himself has said on Twitter that like he thinks if he didn't get that hit, that they would have gone, they would have repeated. And, yeah, as he reminds us, like, so, a lot of people. Think. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so and obviously it's the game of what if, uh, of course. Um, yeah, man, I don't know, but it's not like we're even alive for it. Like right. we're alive, we're alive for uh, Mark Trestman. So whatever. Get <laughs> the shitty, shitty hers. All right, well, my 180 this week, uh, shout out to my father. He asked me to do this for him. My parents just moved to Jacksonville, Florida, Duval. Just kidding, they're not They're not converting to Jags fans. They would never. But um, I guess, per usual, Jacksonville's looking to get a new stadium. 
they're asking the city for money to, I think he said it was like, they're asking for $5 million right now to keep the current stadium going for another couple of years until they can ask for a lot more money to get a brand new stadium. And my dad's like, these, these funded stadium deals never work out. And so he asked me to talk about it. So I will, because he's right. Public funded stadiums are one of the dumbest things ever. It is completely mind boggling to me that you have somebody that can afford to buy a team for $6 billion, but Oh no, a couple hundred million for a stadium. I can't do that. <laughs> it's stupid. Um, they always make the case that it creates jobs. It brings in tourism. That's a bunch of BS as well. Cause it, especially if you're in a city that already has an established team, you're not going to draw more people in and the jobs that you're providing are that are extra temporary construction jobs where half the time they wind up getting people from outside of the area anyway to help with these construction jobs. Um, I do have some facts to back up my statements. I definitely should have put my contacts in before doing this. Um, there was a article published in the Michigan Journal of Economics from the University of Michigan. Um, where did it go? I am so sorry. Way I'll just go, share buddy. the link. But basically, it backs up what I'm saying. I'm not going to go into the details because I can't read right now. Um, I didn't feel like putting my contacts into my glasses half clear. But anyway, it is just it, it's a horrible trick that ownership likes to play to get governments to shell out money when they have more than enough to pay for it themselves. It's one of the things that's going on in Oakland and is a big sticking point for the A's moving to Vegas. Um, I, I just don't like it. If you have the money to buy an entire professional sporting organization, you have the money to build the stadium and not have to take taxpayer dollars that never make it back to the community that you're claiming to prop up. So build your own goddamn stadium. Okay. Agreed. All right. Great. You're here. You're here. <laughs> Agreed. Old man yells at Cloud. I don't. Yeah, I don't know enough about it to have a uh, opinion either way. So cool. Whatever. Um. All right, my turn, I guess. Uh, today, <laughs> I want to talk about the great American game called Raz. For those of you who don't know, Raz is a form of poker. Now, poker has many variants. It's not just hold them with the two cards. And in order for speediness, you can look up how to play it. But basically. You get seven cards because it's stud. It's a stud variant, and you want the worst hand. And by worst hand, I mean eight, ace, two, three, four, five. Straights and flushes don't count against you. So the, so the worst hand is the best hand. Second best hand would be six, four, three, two, ace. So on and so forth. The reason why I want to talk about it is because I find it so funny. So in poker, I play a lot of mixed games now, and that's basically what it means is I like to rotate. After a few a certain amount of hands, you rotate to the next game, and you just do that instead. I think it's way more fun than just playing Hold'em. And I've never seen a community hate something so much, like poker players <laughs> hate Raz, and that we still all play it. I kid you not, I was playing the other week, and Raz came up in our rotation of 10 games. We have 10 games. Some of these games... I've never even played like one of the game was literally like homemade and Raz came up and everybody groaned 
And rather than skip it, <laughs> we still played it. Literally, somebody was trying to come up. There's a couple ways you can kind of spice it up, try to get a little bit more uh, gamble incentive. And he was like, well, why don't we do that to make it more fun? And the moment he suggests that, all of us went, eh, maybe later. And so we still kept playing Raz rather than skipping it. I've seen in commentaries where like when you see like mixed game like uh, streams, the moment Raz comes up, the commentators immediately make fun of it. I'm not, like, I don't know. And what's weird too is that the game has this really interesting history. This is anecdotal. Um, it's from this guy. I don't know. Like, like I just said, I've tried to find like more like substantial sources, but this guy has an anecdotal story that apparently in the seventies and eighties, Raz was like the cheaters game. Like it was, it was the game for colluders to basically like draw somebody out and like, they would be there would be teams and like the and criminals were like ramp like weren't even apologetic about it and then uh eventually they had to kind of move to california atlantic city to like keep up these like games and then because it's not very popular as these guys get older and kind of die out like literally the game dies out with them and yet somehow some way raz still keeps going and i think that it's just so poetically beautiful that we all hate it and yet we all still play it. I like even I get like I learned how to play it and when I was learning it, I was into it. And now like I know how to play it and like I know how to play it well. And I'm just like, all right, here we go. Like <laughs> it is so simple, it's so boring, and yet we play it every time. So Raz, this is to you, this is for you, man. Uh literally, I think that whenever poker players bicker and they want to fight each other heads up and like these massive hold them. 10,000 hand tournaments. I think we should stop that. I think they should just play 10,000 hands of Raz. And then once they get to hand 15, they'll realize that we as humanity could work together instead of, you know, instead of having egos and fight against each other. And I think that'll solve um, world peace through heads up Raz. So <laughs> that's my solution. I just want to talk about that. Final note before I go, there's also this game called Raz Doogie. Now that combines Raz and Badoogie, another game I like Badoogie a lot, but that's another game that people hate because they don't know what they're doing, so they lose. And I would like to think that the guy that invented the thought of the idea of combining two games that everybody hates probably <laughs> hates his family. Like, that's the only thing I could think. That's the only thing that kind of gets that makes sense to me. But I don't know. I'll have to figure that one out later. Raz, the great American poker game. <laughs> You're here. You're here. <laughs> Here, here. All right. So I, I will wrap up. So if you've noticed, you know, there's been a, you know, a sports betting has become a lot more commonplace since it's been legalized these past few years. You'll see ads for it in every sporting event, uh, promotions for it. And they try to get really creative with the promotions. But sometimes you get creative with a promotion and it's just not a good idea. And you're not quite sure how many people it got through. And but whatever the number it is, you question how you it even got. So I'm going to share my screen real quick. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, this was a very real promotion that DraftKings put out today. Yes, the day we are recording <laughs> uh, September 11th uh, to uh, tw 2023. Uh, for those of you not watching on YouTube, uh, DraftKings put out what they called a never forget parlay which is to bet on three the three New York teams playing tonight, the New York Mets, the New York Yankees, and the New York Jets uh, to win. And if you don't know how sports betting works, a parlay is you bet on – you essentially 
combine multiple bets into one bet for bigger odds. Um, first of all, 367 people at the time of the screenshot placed this bet. What degenerates are are, <laughs> are going to bet on this never forget parlay? I think I, I think DraftKings came out and uh, apologized for it. I just needed to point this out because, like, come on, why? What is what is the purpose? Um, but if you want an update on how this parlay is doing, uh, the Mets and Diamondbacks are tied going to the top of the ninth. The Jets and Bills, uh, the Jets have the ball with two minutes left in the fourth quarter in a tie game. So that's yeah, and Josh Allen fumbled it in their own wow. territory. And the uh, the drive. and the uh, the Yankees and Red Sox got rained out. So I actually don't know what would become of this parlay if you made it. But regardless, this was a bad idea. DraftKings, you, you should not have done this. Never forget. Here, here. Cubs <laughs> lost the lead, by the way. Uh, oh, that's anybody's wondering <laughs> to the Rockies. So, you know, um, I yeah. have not felt this miserable after a week of sporting <laughs> events. And I don't know how long. Honestly, I'm just I wasn't to... even rooting for you if I like Nick dude, was. Dude, yeah, yeah. You're not an Illini fan like I am. We got embarrassed versus oh, Kansas on national God. television. The Cubs lost three of four, including the game I went to. The Bears got embarrassed somehow even worse. And then I went 0-3 in my fantasy teams this week. I lost every fantasy matchup I had. Brutal. So, you know. I was actually really excited to go back to work today. Speaking of, speaking <laughs> of that real quick, I just saw on Twitter as well, or X, where you want to call it. Some guy screenshot a thing from his league. His buddy had Aaron Rodgers left. That's all that was left. And he was down oh, 0.5 no. points. And I don't know. I don't know what that man, like, I don't know if that man, I don't know what he did in former life, but that's, <laughs> that's tough. Well, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if you tough. saw our, our friend Nuriel put in our group chat and I was, I was oh, yeah. the yeah. recording. He's like, man, Josh Allen threw three interceptions today. Good thing my backup quarterback was checks notes, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. oh man. Yeah. This is this has been rough. My fantasy teams did horrible. Actually, I got one win. I got one win out of three, but the other two, uh, thank you, T. Higgins, for zero points in one team, and then thank you, T. Higgins and Dallas Goddard for zero points on my other team. And I think the perfect way to wrap this up is thank you, Bears. Uh, I I picked you for Survivor. Uh, and <laughs> I was only team. I was the only person to lose. The only one. So now I have to rebuy. Uh, that's what I get for putting my faith in you. Week one. That's, I mean, I was zero for two last year. I felt <laughs> like I had to kind of keep the streak going of like losing yeah, by week t- two. I mean, this is the second year we've done it, but Tig has not picked a team correctly in Survivor yet. Nope. Half <laughs> of our Survivor League had the Commanders, and I was sweating that one. Oh, out. that was a sweat. I was hoping. God, I was rooting so hard for Arizona. I, I was rooting so. When it was hard a close game me. in like the third quarter, I was like, okay, who who didn't see this coming? Yeah, exactly. But they pulled well, it out in the end. I hope you guys enjoyed us being absolutely miserable this week. <laughs> uh, I forgot to do our introductions, so we're doing our introductions at, at the end now. Uh, I'm Jordan Dupont. I am your host, joined as always by Nick Nicola, Tyg Mullen, and Andrew Freeman. You can check us out on Twitter at fourstarpodchi. Check our website out at fourstarpodchi.com. We've got some blog posts up there. That's where we're doing our four stars of the week. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nicola21, Tig at TFMullen007. 
Andrew is at AJ Freeman 25. You can check out his other work uh, for the bear report at 247sports.com and the picks for polls podcast. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be back mostly ranting probably, but ranting and raving again next week. Have a good one. Oh, 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 oh,